Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Listen to the story. This story actually take, starts in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I, I feel like um, I always say New York City. Like. <laughs> but then we do go to Ohio. Not the Queen City, Ohio. <clears throat> the home of the second place, the second Queens, Queen City Junior. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, close to the capital. Named after. I think the the like a prominent drag queen from Ohio from Cincinnati should go up against a prominent drag queen from Charlotte. Charlotte, and then do a read back and forth between each other, and the the true queen wins. The true queen will be will be bestowed. Mm-hmm. With a crown. <laughs> okay. We are doing 1963's... 1963. Bye Bye Birdie. Originally a Broadway show. And then a movie. When rock star and teenage heartthrob Conrad Birdie gets drafted, the nation's teenagers, female teenagers, go crazy. And... Birdie's manager faces unemployment. So the manager and his girlfriend organize a nationwide contest in which one lucky girl wins a farewell kiss from Birdie on the Ed Sullivan show. And I would just like to put my apology out there now. (laughs) I truly did not realize it was my turn to pick the movie. And I picked the whitest... It's pretty white. Ever? It's pretty white. (laughs) Or I did not also realize we'd be recording on (laughs) Dr. King Day. Uh huh. His actual birthday, because his actual, usually it's always in observance, but today is (laughs) his actual birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, Those of you who do not want to forgive Christine, her email address is. No, no, no. Oh, we have so much to discuss. We have a lot to discuss. We so, Erin, the particulars? The particulars. Bye Bye Birdie. It came out in theaters on April 4th, 1963. Before we get into these particulars, Bye Bye Birdie is something that I have... I just, I've just always heard it. It's always been in the lexicon for me. And I have, I never had any idea what it was about. So this is a classic, huh, this is, this is Bye Bye Birdie. There's a lot of stuff like that in the, um, I don't know. Like there's just, you know, different things and stuff that you always hear. And especially Bye Bye Birdie, because it's like, like me growing up, the culture was so white, like mainstream culture. So you always heard about Bye Bye Birdie. All the high schools were always doing Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah, because it's a pretty safe one. Although, I know, but not I really. don't remember oh, that ending. The whole concept of it. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. Also, I've never seen The Music Man. That's another one that I've always heard about hearing The Music oh, Man. That's pretty white. Well, most of them are. I guess that's why Papa doesn't like musicals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So it was directed by George Cindy. Yeah, Sydney, who also did Viva Las Vegas, Annie Get Your Gun, Showbo. Another one. Another one. <laughs> like, all of these are, like, I've heard of all of these. I, I'm i guessing that Annie Get Your Gun is about Annie Oakley. Right. It's a musical about Annie Oakley. Yeah. That one either. So these are just the I'm ones just I've... a girl who can't say no. <laughs> I'm in a terrible fix. That knows a lot. Liking it's that. freaky, the knowledge I yeah. have and the knowledge I don't have. When we were, um, when I was home and Ma was cooking for, oh man, and Ma did, this year, I just have to put it on, on the podcast, like, your all-time, it was an all-time exceptional year. Everything except you made was fudge. like, except damn, for the except for the fudge. But anyway, when she, was, when she was in the kitchen putting her foot in it, as they say, um, what did she have playing? The Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, assorted oh. playlist collection. That's a sing-along. What song was it, though, that I came out and just started humming and knew, like, the entire melody from it? You're like, how do you know that? There was some song. It was That was a pretty funny time. I don't know. It might have been something from Oklahoma. No, it's the Liverpool song. The You're, you're Never Walk Alone. Oh. Walk alone. Yeah, and you're like, yes. how do you know that? And I'm like, because the Liverpool uh, football that team, <laughs> like that's their song. That's the first time I ever heard it. Because our choir would sing that at graduation. Our choir, where I was an alto, but I sang soprano because I couldn't read music. And and our uh, choir director in high school went to our church, and he didn't feel like he could cut me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we always sang "You'll Never Walk Alone" at graduation. So. Anyways, I did. Moving on, because as Poppy says, you never talk about the movie. Well, nerd alert, George Cindy was also a founding member of the Hanna-Barbera Animation Studio. Oh. I thought that was pretty interesting. The screenplay is by Irving Brockcher, who also did Meet Me in St. Louis. I'm, I'm going to not, I know it's St. Louis, but nobody says they're from St. Louis. They say they're from St. Louis. Just like um, Ohio is not Ohio. Yes, Ohio. Life, the life of Riley, and two Marx Brothers films at the Circus and Go West. It's based on a stage musical by By Birdie, with music by Charles Strauss, who also did the musicals Golden Boy with Sammy Davis Jr. and Annie, and also did the film scores for Ishtar, Annie, and Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, what wow. a career! Wow. Um, so eclectic. The lyrics are by Lee Adams, who also did Bye Bye Birdie, Golden Boy, and Bring Back Birdie, which apparently was the sequel that they did in 1980. Never heard. Mm-hmm. The book is by Michael Stewart, who also did Hello Dolly, 42nd Street, and Carnival. And it's edited by Charles Nelson, who did Gilda, Anna Lacosta, Picnic, and A Night to Remember. The score is by Johnny Green, who did an American in Paris. Oliver! And they shoot horses, don't they? Oh, yeah. I'm respecting the punctuation. The director of photography is Joseph Byrock, who did worked on It's a Wonderful Life, also did Blazing Saddles, and Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Well, that is a range. I know. Starring... Janet Lee as Rosie DeLeon. 
a a extremely brunette Janet Lee. I would okay. I'm gonna say that for later. Yes, yes, extremely. Um, she Janet Lee was also in Psycho, Harper, Touch of Evil. Remember, she was discovered by actress Norma Shearer at a ski lodge where her parents were working, and she is also the mother of actress Jamie Lee Curtis. National treasure. Mm-hmm. I say it. We have Dick Van Dyke as Albert Peterson. He starred in the original Broadway production of mm-hmm. Bye Bye Birdie. He then was in a little show called The Dick Van Dyke Show, which mm-hmm. ran from 1961 to 1966, and it was a huge hit. Uh, one Mary Tyler Moore was also in it. Very white. Very white. Yeah. And then he went on and was in Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Diagnosis colon Murder, mm-hmm. which... I'm surprised I didn't get into Diagnosis Murder. I forgot that. Or Murder, She Wrote. I wonder why you never got into those. I wasn't a Murder, She Wrote, but I was really young. And mm-hmm. yeah, now I like, I tried to watch a couple of episodes and I, I just prefer the Alfred Hitchcock presents yeah. and the Alfred Hitchcock hour. So maybe once I get through them. um, He's still with us. Alive and kicking. Yes, he that is. That was shocking to me. And mm-hmm. still rather um out. Being seen. How old is he now? Uh, in, uh, in, I think 98. 1998? 98. He's 98. I think. Okay, because they did a big to-do for his birthday. They were like, Dick Van Dyke's 98th birthday. And Adam and I were like, what? And we were like, I guess we learned from like Betty White. You can't just hope they get to 100. Yeah, you can't. Um, yeah, it's so uh, oh, so limber. So it, I love to see him do his dances. Very rubbery. Uh-huh. We have uh, Anne Margaret as Kim McAfee. She was also in Viva Las Vegas, The Cincinnati Kid, and Grumpy Old Men. She was born in Sweden in 1941, and before her birth, her father had come to the United States, and then he came back, and then Germany invaded Norway in 1940, and so he was like, ugh, but then she was born in 1941, and the father was like, look, I'm I'm getting up out of here, because Norway is, we share a border with Sweden, I believe, I know that it's like up in the, it's the Scandinavia, and so then um, the family was like, you know what, you're right. And so then he was joined by his wife and little baby Anne. And since 1946, oh, that was in 1946. And then she became a U.S. citizen in 1949. And this is the film that made her this huge star. It certainly did. She was also in Tommy, which we did. Mm. Oh, yeah. And there, when we did that, there was... um. There's like a YouTube clip of her dancing with Tina Turner. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have Maureen Stapleton as Mae Peterson. She was in Red's Cocoon Airport. And Nerd Alert, she plays uh, Albert's mom, but she's only five months and 22 days older than Dick Van Dyke in real life. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly. 
clearly they didn't care about aging. No. <laughs> but and, I mean, and Margaret. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 I thought, which was it she 16? 22. She was 22, but she was playing a 16 year old. And those six years, there's, there's a that lot of happen. big difference. Yes. A, a lot, lot happened in those six years. Yeah. And I even watched the girls in the, in the background. Uh, Cause I was looking for girls who looked like they were in high school when I was in high school. And you have to go way in the back to see them. Like the girls in the front, her best friend, I mean, these days, girls do look like that, but yeah, <laughs> I saw to... an article, there's an article going around, girls are hitting puberty much earlier now. Mm-hmm. I've heard, I've been hearing They're that. Eight years old, but yeah. like yeah. not impacting boys as much, like boys still aren't, I didn't read much into it, but somebody was like, maybe it's our subconscious, like it's based on like all of the media and everything that's going on like who knows but i didn't yeah something to do with what we're eating i don't know but but and then there's like um here's my tiktok corner part one mm-hmm. oh um, yay so there is this phenomenon this year where tiktok is like i hate it they <laughs> I love it and hate it. Yeah, yeah. Two like things have, can be true at the same time. I feel like you should have to be 21 to access it. Ah. Or 18 or something. Like when you first, like remember in Facebook, you had to have a college email to get a Facebook account when it first started. Well, when Facebook's first started, you had to have a college email to sign up for it. I was in college when Facebook first started. So, podcast um and so anyway anything that like gets viral on tiktok like these girls want it so like the stanleys for example mm-hmm. oh yeah oh my god so i saw one this is going off topic sorry Mandel. um yeah so the starbucks starbucks and stanley did a collab mm-hmm. and this girl's like i thought it, it was like people were going crazy because there was like heart on the cup but it was not a heart on the cup it was a heart on the wrapper that you take away and you throw off of the cup and so then people on tiktok were creating like laminated things to keep the wrapper and velcro it so you could keep it on and like i mean good for stanley i, I read a thing about them like they i think it was like 2019 they were like 73 million dollar company and this year was last year was like 790 million but like the whole point of a Stanley is there for working men and you only need one of them. Like Adam has had the same Stanley for like 10 years that he, like a thermos that he takes to work. Probably dented and. and like, yeah, Cause that's the, that, that's the, the, the reason for it. Right. Yeah. And it keeps things cold and hot. And these 10 year old girls, seven year old girls are getting excited for getting a water, a water bottle for Christmas. It's a Stanley. Mm-hmm. But the big thing was um, these makeup brands and like skincare and Sephora is like all these older people are going to TikTok to tell stories about like they're in Sephora over the holidays and then these like 10 to 12 year old girls are running up and there's this brand Drunk Elephant and like I just heard about Drunk oh, yeah. I like I mean I like it I've used their, their moisturizer before but it's 
$65 for a moisturizer. And for a 12 year old, yes. like, put some fucking Cetaphil on your face and it'll you know, be happy yeah, out of it. Like they should be 10 year olds need the same skincare as like 40 year old men. Like they use one soap, you wash your face with it, wash your butt with it and move on. That's right. And like, or you do what I do. And that was, I used Clinique. It wasn't because I was like, I need Clinique. I was like, here, wash your face with this, then put this and then put this on. And And then I was like, my free samples from Clinique. Use these. (laughs) I used Clinique too when I was younger. Until I aged out of Clinique. And then I aged out of Clinique. So then I was like, what are we using now? That's Cetaphil. Oil customer. She still goes to the Clinique counter. Really? Yeah. I but guess it's, I caught it's the propaganda. Like young girls are like getting their parents to spend hundreds of dollars. And this one Sephora employee like did this. She was like a cashier. She was like, we were busy and we had this line and this girl who's like seven or eight comes up with all this stuff. And the total was $900. What? And she looked over and her sister was at the register beside her. And she was like, it's $900. And her sister was like, do you have enough money? And she was like, I'm actually using mom's card. And the mom came over and she was like, $900? Like, no. And she ended up taking enough stuff off so that her total was $500. For like an eight-year-old at Sephora. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But well, I, that's I, like sad because think of how many kids like are going don't have food to eat, or how many parents well, don't have food to eat because their kid they need to feed their kids. Like the that's just it highlights the. Once in well, and then I saw well there was this parent on there that she was like this is my daughter's water bottle. We were at Walmart one day, and she picked this water bottle out and said she liked it, so I bought it for her for Christmas, and it was just like a off-brand, you know, pink sparkly water bottle, whatever. And she was like, she came home one day crying and saying she yep. needed a Stanley because all the other kids at school were like, oh, that's not a real Stanley. And she was like, we have the money to buy her a Stanley, but, like, that's not the point, you know? Yeah. Was like, so I can, but, like... She was like, if I ever, if my daughter, if I ever found out that my daughter was hating on someone else for not having a name brand of something, it's just like a status symbol. I don't know how we got on this topic. Well, just because we went down the TikTok corner and that, and that's, I mean, it's always. Oh, oh, Janet, because now these girls look like they are 20 something. Exactly. And their clothes reflect that as well. Mm -hmm. I, I was substituting in a kindergarten class once. And this little girl um, was, you know, made fun of another little girl's jellies because they weren't the right brand. They weren't the brand. They were a knockoff brand. But but kids have always been doing that. It's the thing that's different now is that there's social media and they're seeing yes, all yes, these things. Yes, because when I was a kid, true. like... There, like you would go to um, the PX and they had AC Athletic Club, and those weren't the cool shoes, you know. Yes. We British Knights and Nikes were cool. Nobody wanted like Athletic Club shoes. Like there was always stuff like that, like starter yeah. jackets. Yeah. Tickle yeah. me yeah. Elmo. Like, hey, I like your jacket. Like, oh yeah, tickle me Elmo. Yeah. Yeah, but there've always been things that have yeah. created a. Uh, I mean. 
we live in a, I hate to bring back, but we live in a capitalist society. So it has to, like people, it's once in demand. It's, it's, you know, you have to create a need for it. And the Stanley company is like, yes, exactly. That's what we want. And it's cups and it's dumb. And parents are like, oh, and it's like the status symbol. But like, we've always done it because that's what gets, that's the whole point of advertising is you need to have this. If you don't have it, you're a loser. Yeah. Shifted from the working man and only having like neutral colors to be like, why don't we have pink? Well, but that's what Levi's are. Jeans. They post it. They have walls full every color of the rainbow. Why would you need? Because it's status. It's it because you get it, and for that one moment, ah, every you get the receptors and you get that hit, and then you go back and you're plunged into your. I do see the hole. A different, like I do have different water bottles for different needs, and my Adam may not agree with that, but you know, I but do. It, I'm just saying, like it's always and all a lot, like a lot of the brands and stuff. Because I was saying Levi's, Levi's were came from jeans, and the pockets were riveted because they were the working man's pants. Right. So they had to be tough, and that's why the material was coarse. And you know, now Levi's are. The it's like that Dickies, Carhartt, like you girls wearing Dickies now. Didn't Taylor Swift collab with Stanley? Oh, that was false. I read something and that it was false. I don't think there's enough um supply for that. Yeah, exactly. Break the internet. Yeah. Well, did you see her jacket she was wearing at the Chiefs game on Saturday? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you hear the story behind it? That one of the other teammates... 49er wife. I can't so bad. I can't remember her name, but he was so cute. Her player, like, every time somebody tweeted about the jacket or whatever, he would be like, my wife so-and-so made this. And, like, exactly. Like, exactly. Um, are we still in the starrings? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <coughs> okay, so we did Maureen Stapleton. Yes, because we were talking about the because she's only five months older than Dick Van Dyke. Now we're at Bobby Rydell. Bobby Rydell is Hugo Peabody. In real life, Bobby Rydell is a teen idol. And I went to college in Philadelphia. <laughs> so for some, I didn't know, I just know the name Bobby Rydell and Philadelphia, and he's like a big deal. But in real life, he was really like that kind of teen idol. He was the kind of teen idol that um, when the Beatles came in, they all lost just all their jobs because their whole style of music went it it went from being like to what the kids wanted to be like that sucks we want the Beatles everything changed so Bobby Rydell he was in the movie The Lady from Peking and Mr. Rock and Roll colon The Alan Freed Story um in real life or nerd alert the original Broadway production had no singing for Hugo this it was the songs in the movie they were rewritten so that they would accommodate this teen this real life teen matinee idol to sing. Hmm. We have Jesse Pearson as Conrad Birdie. He was in Advanced to the Rear. He did tons of TV work. Like he was in Bonanza, Beverly Hillbillies. I thought um, he was awful. What was that? I thought he was kinda awful. I did too. You're on mute, Ma. 
Yes. I thought he was very creepy. Like, like, yeah. like, um, like, pedophile-ish. You don't say. Well. What? You don't say. Uh, signing up to kiss a high schooler? Um, yeah. so... I want to kind of put a little bit of distance from this because it's interesting that you made those comments. In oh, real no. life, he wrote and directed two adult films. Now, I don't want to, like, okay. uh, okay. uh, that you know, doesn't like, mean that, that he doesn't doesn't mean, right, right. but I just, it's, when I read that, it wasn't entirely a stretch. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, we have Ed Sullivan as himself. Ed Sullivan was a real-life host of The Ed Sullivan Show, which ran from 1948 to 1971. It introduced... It was your one-stop shop. It introduced rock bands, jazz. They had classical music, theater, comedy, politics. Um, juggler. The juggler with the plates that would spin. There would be ten plates spinning, and he kept all ten spinning as he just... Yeah, it was Sunday night. It was Sunday night. It was Sunday night, and this is when... How many channels did you guys have, Ma? What, three? I, well, I had four. Ooh. Um, yes, but the uh, main TV was three. ABC, NBC, CBS. So this was a big deal show. This is like this was mainstream. This yeah. was This was like basically you would go on it and you would become viral because people would... Um, it introduced so many things to so many different acts to people. Mm -hmm. um, Ed Sullivan was mad because when Elvis was first becoming a thing, he didn't get it. He didn't really think that Elvis was going to be that mm -hmm. big, so he didn't book him onto his show. And so, and he always was kind of mad about that because it's very you know competitive the networks as you can imagine. And he happened. Ed Sullivan happened to be in London. He was at Heathrow Airport in November 1963 and he witnessed firsthand Beatlemania and was just like I don't care I don't care who these kids are I don't care what they do exactly. I don't just book them and bring them and so it's in you know November 1963 you know America changed and the mood of America changed and so um on February 9th, 1964. That's why I've been seeing it. I was like, why is all of a sudden there's so many like Beatles things in my news feed? Mm -hmm. I was like, what kind of anniversary is going up? And it's because coming up on February 9th, 1964, that'll be 60 the years. 60 year anniversary of when the Beatles made their debut on Ed Sullivan and pretty yeah. much like broke in America. And if you thought that the reaction that Conrad Birdie was getting in Bye Bye Birdie was something. Whew, boom. Yeah. So then we also have Paul Lind. He played Harry oh. McAfee. Um, he was in the he also with Dick Van Dyke was in the original Broadway cast. Oh good. He, he was also in Beach Blanket Bingo. He was all over television, um, including Bewitched, and he was the center square in Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. That's why you watched for his question. Mel Brooks said that Paul Lind was capable of getting laughs by reading a phone book, Tornado yep. Alert, or Seed Catalog. Yep. Um, Seth MacFarlane said that the voice of Roger the Alien on American Dad is modeled after Paul Lind. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm going to set the table. The movie starts with Anne Margaret singing Bye Bye Birdie, the song. 
that was actually written after the film had wrapped and she had to come back and do that. We see newspapers say uh, that headlines saying that Birdie's been drafted and girls around the world are going crazy because there were young people being drafted daily to support the Vietnam War. So not everything is, ah, ha, ha, lovey. Were were people being, I know that they were being drafted, but like in 1963 were, because this is, this is based on Elvis and that was like in the, for like the fifties, but like by the time it was 1963 was, was like the draft, like in like 19, it was, it, it didn't, it had it like, People were being drafted, but I, I I don't know. I always had the feeling that, like, by 1963, it was, like, people here and there you would hear about it. It wasn't like, yo, all y'all men in this class, y'all getting drafted, like, it by all, the late 60s. It was, yeah, it was all um, by your birth date and your draft number, whether you would actually go or not. Okay. Uh, my brother and and his friend put on a ton of weight. But that, like in 1963. Yeah. Cause you know, like if you dropped out of high school, you were you were going. So yeah, he graduated in '67. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like when this is coming out in '63, like Kennedy's still alive. Like I don't. But I, I don't I know. I don't there. know. I just I knew, I get that they're just I'm basing it from the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary. It just seemed like like the early '60s people were just kind of aware of like Vietnam, but it was still it wasn't like being um, well, definitely maybe. because well, well I have it in in Nerd Alerts like the Viet okay. Cong won their first major victory in the Vietnam War in 1963. So I, I don't think that it was... Well, was it based in early? Wasn't it based earlier? Because it was written earlier. Well, yeah, it was based when Elvis got drafted. But Elvis didn't get drafted to go to war. But he just got... Like, and would people in 1963 feel the same way? Right. Uh, what year did Muhammad Ali get drafted? That was... I thought that was later, like in 65. See... Because I, I just 67. Yeah, but I to but to me, and I know that I didn't live it, but to me, like there's a difference between 63 and 65 because 63 is, and maybe that's just the the advertising and the the documentaries and the narrative that I've been told about like you know the 50s and stuff and how everything's like yay optimism and like America's big booming and then November 22nd 1963 like yeah the dream dies right and that in reading like about like the Kennedy assassination that was a one of the things that I kept hearing about from people on the left was how Kennedy was gonna get us out of Vietnam well He's not around anymore. But allegedly, got him a lot of a lot of uh, a lot. Yeah, the, I mean, there was a lot. That, it, it he didn't have a shortage of reasons why to be alive. Also, True. 1963. You know, Malcolm X is still alive. Martin Luther King Jr. is still alive. So, well, I mean, we'll get into more of it in the 
nerd alert. Okay. Just to, I'm just saying, like, to me, I feel like in this movie, like, 1960, and when the movie came out in 1963, very different mood from even, say, a year later in 1964. Very possibly. Very but possibly. <laughs> I wasn't alive, so I don't want to be the jerk who's like, excuse me. I was alive, but I don't remember. It is 10 days until Bertie reports for duty. His manager is washed up because Bertie is his only client and he has an overbearing manipulative mother who is the cause of almost all his grief. His girlfriend is of six years, gets involved and tries to save his career. What could go wrong? I was just like, that's what Bye Bye Bertie's about. <laughs> all the time I'm watching this movie, I was like, this just seems so weird to me that this is a this is a musical that just so has just endured it stood the test of time but there were a lot of changes from the movie yes and, yeah. and the as with 99.8% of musicals the musical's always better than the movie the movie always is worse and this is much better on the stage i will just have to say Oh, okay. Staging I'm not that I've seen a professional thud like. I don't know. I think it stood the test of time because when you do it in a high school and you take out like all the high schools these days or take care like rewriting the uncomfortable parts and making right. it for high schoolers and current day and they just do the fun song. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of good fun bops in this. There are. In my opinion. But a couple half of them can go, and I feel like they don't do the half of them in on when you do it on stage. Right. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, POC count. Uh, tr I was scanning the crowd. I was scanning oh, the crowd for anybody with a dark tan. Well, at the beginning, when they're showing the montage of how big a star Conrad is. They they go to San Francisco and there's a whole group of Asian teenagers who are losing their minds. I think we also see a few like black girls losing <laughs> their minds. Um, and then I have the decor of Maud's Madcap Cafe. I noticed some, uh, I guess you would say exotic decor. It had some Asian themed lanterns I saw on the wall. Cause yeah. I was like, what kind of what's going on? But yeah, other than that, it was. Um, What's the Ohio place? Sweet Tree, Ohio? Seems sweet Apple, like... I believe. Yeah, Sweet Apple. Ohio, close to Columbus, Ohio. Okay, so cast. Are you going to go into the whole Cheetah Rivera? Yes, so when I was watching this, I was like, Rosie DeLeon? Because at first I see, I see Janet Lee, I'm like, why is she wearing a black wig? Yeah. Wait, her name's Rosie DeLeon? And I was like, is, and I wrote it in my notes. What did I put? I put, is, oh, I forget what I put. But basically it was, wait, what? <sighs> so in the original Broadway production, Rosie is Rosie Alvarez. And she is played by Cheetah Rivera. Rivera. In real life, Cheetah Rivera's father is Puerto Rican, and her mother is Scotch, Irish, and black. Oh. So I was like, oh, wow. I, I didn't know that. Um, but she's not in the movie. And it was very hard for me to find why Cheetah Rivera wasn't in the movie. I found that Rita Moreno, 
which made me laugh because if you t I started typing because I'm doing these searches in Google and I typed in Rita Moreno and it popped up or is Rita Moreno the same as Cheetah Rivera? And I was just like, like, oh. like yeah. I know the that answer's really, no. Yeah. But anyway, so Rita Moreno turned down the role <clears throat> in this. I couldn't see if like why or what, but if she had accepted the role, this would have been the second time she played on film a role that had been originated by Cheetah Rivera exactly. on Broadway because Cheetah Rivera was the original Anita in West Side Story. Right. Mm. So I couldn't <clears throat> find any um, reason. We'll just have to fill in the, uh, the blanks of why we think that Cheetah Rivera was not cast as... Um, Rosie in the movie in the original Broadway production it has there's a huge anti-hispanic racism theme to it that's like well also in the original production um Anne Margaret's character Kim is more in the background and the story exactly. is really about Dick Van Dyke's character and exactly. that's what it's supposed to be about. yeah that's how it how it's supposed to be so um, because of this change, they change. Oh, and the mother is super ignorant. Again, like the reason that the mother doesn't like Rosie is because she's Spanish mm -hmm. or Hispanic. So there's a th tons of racism. Right. In it. Yeah, she says like a outwardly racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. which then I'm like, it's so interesting to be like, like, imagine like from my point of view, I'm watching the movie. I'm like, huh, why is this such a thing in high school movie, the like, musicals? And then I learned like about the original musical and there's tons of anti-Hispanic racism mm -hmm. in it, but it's, it's like, it's, there's a point to it. So, um, the, in the movie, her last name is changed from Alvarez to De, Le De Leon. And there's a song, she has two songs that are dropped, but a really important song, Spanish Rose, is dropped. Mm -hmm. And the song Spanish Rose, that comes towards the end of the musical when Rosie is tired and she doesn't care. She's like, this woman has been just berating her with all these stereotypes. And basically the theme of the song is how, like, yeah, so she lists off all these stereotypes. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm not going to be ashamed of my culture. I am who I am. So, like, one of the first lines of this, the song is, I'm just a Spanish tamale, according to May, right off the boat from the tropics far, far away, which is kind of funny since where I come from is Allentown, PA. Mm -hmm. so, so that just is completely out the window for this. Um, I thought I was just like, oh, wow. I found per a variety article, Cheetah Rivera on Stage Fright, Fosse, and Why She Never Reads Reviews by Brett Lang. This is a quote from that article. Unfortunately, I just watched the movie Bye Bye Birdie again. I was curious, but it was not good. I didn't think that it was cast properly. I thought J Janet Lee, who played my part, was beautiful, but I didn't find her exciting by any means. I thought Kay Medford should have done The Mother. Maureen Stapleton is a brilliant actress, but she's not funny, and Kay was funny. Somebody else should have played the Elvis Presley part. Oh, that's, okay. my that's my opinion, but who the hell am I? You're only <laughs> Cheetah Rivera, who is, I believe she holds the record for most Tony nominations ever. Like she's huge Broadway star and big time. And I, I just, I couldn't find anything where it said what, where it said the quiet part out loud. 
you know? Like, we know why. Like, she didn't turn it down. Yeah, she wasn't cast because... Because of cast. Be- exactly, because of cast. But it's so it's crazy how much that completely changes the dynamic of the characters. It changes the just so much of the film that would not really. Yeah, completely. Because that yeah, it, just uh... because I read that originally Rosie was written. As a completely white woman, but this—that's not what the—that's not what the stage production is saying. Well, you can say that. I mean, there's so many different versions of this because this went through so many different versions to till when it got to the stage version. You'll go through all these different versions. Like I was watching a documentary on Leonard Bernstein and West Side Story was originally going to be between Irish and Jews. And it was going to be on the east side. It was going to be east side story. But then they changed it to west side story because they liked the the, um, having it be the Spanish people versus just basically European, all the European people. And they liked it music-wise because they could incorporate more Latin rhythms and stuff. Yeah, okay. Well, that uh, okay. Um, I would have lost a lot of money because I could have sworn Rita Moreno was Rosie in the movie. Just assuming. In this movie? You were like, uh, that's Rita Moreno? No, before I watched it. Oh, interesting. Um, the second time. I had seen it back in the 60s at some point. Seen it uh, uh, on our high school stage as well. Okay. So then I also have another cast about Ed Sullivan. Um, because Ed Sullivan, he was so back then in nineteen in the when Ed Sullivan was doing the Ed Sullivan show, um, it had pretty much been except like there were a list of black stars who were deemed acceptable to to grace the Amer- America with their presence, their talent. Right. So there were you, they would get cast on all the variety shows, and it was Louis Armstrong, Pearl mm-hmm. Bailey, Sammy mm-hmm. Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. But Ed Sullivan, he liked to travel around, and so he would go uptown to Harlem and see who was who was performing and really good in Harlem. He had a thing where he didn't care um, what you looked like, the, what the color of your skin was, your religion or whatever. Were you entertaining? Did you have talent? And so um, critic John Leonard said, quote, there wasn't an important black artist who didn't appear on Ed's shows. And you can imagine how well that would go over with his sponsors. So his yeah. sponsors, Ford's Lincoln Theaters, no, Ford's Lincoln, Lincoln Theaters, Ford's Lincoln Dealers were not happy with Ed for kissing Pearl Bailey on the cheeks. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, and. Didn't want I wouldn't be either, but. What? I said if she didn't want it. If she didn't yeah, want right. it. Yeah. It should have been her choice. Exactly, exactly. That's not why they were mad at it. Too much kissing too much kissing going on in those days. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Keep your slobber to yourself. Yeah. 
Sorry. So he, so he kissed Tapero Bailey on the cheeks, and then he also <gasps> clutched the Pearl Baileys. He put his arm. It, 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 he like extended um a handshake. He dared to shake the hand of Nat King Cole. Oh my God! Oh my God. On, on your TV. Yeah. There's this quote on Wikipedia. You know me. Wow. Unless I say otherwise, everything's from Wikipedia. Quote: It's uh, Sullivan once had a Ford executive thrown out of the theater when he suggested that Sullivan stop booking so many black acts. A dealer in Cleveland <laughs> told him, quote, we realize you got to have the N-words on your show, but do you have to put your arm around Bill Bojangles Robinson at the end of his dance? And they said they had to physically hold Ed Sullivan bound because he was going to beat that man to the pulp. He, he was, Ed, Ed Sullivan was known for being petty. Like, he was be very cool, but if you just, like, pressed the wrong button, he would have, like, a blood feud with you until the end. And he also had, the, they said in the Wikipedia page, a wild Irish temper. So he, oh. you know that he just, they probably just caught him, and he just wanted to, like destroy that man um and the ed sullivan show was also big in bringing country and western acts because yeah. at the yeah. time that mm -hmm. wasn't big onto tv mm -hmm. so he was basically like the america's town square and was just like everybody come on so that that's my cast well done so we are to nerd alerts i do have one chemistry sets oh they were so big in the early 60s i, I remember i remember I, I don't know who my mother took pictures one time of all of us doing uh, silly stuff it was like a slideshow of the weber household before uh, there the, was such a thing the weber household doing silly like your house wasn't like, I don't get silly vibes from y'all. I don't remember what I had to do. My sister was probably playing the piano beautifully. Um, but uh, my brother, they took it. I remember the picture. You know, that front bedroom where there was the TV room? Yes. That was, that was his bedroom at one point. And he had a desk there. And um, there was his chemistry set. Because they actually, you had real chemicals and you could actually. It was probably so dangerous. Y'all probably had mercury. Exactly. And like something that's radioactive. Exactly. And she took a picture of everything helter skelter and him, like if she could have, she would have had, you know, dry ice blowing smoke around it because it was, he had exploded something in the house. Chemistry sets were big. Wish I knew what she ever did with those because. You couldn't send them in a Christmas card. I don't know what the idea was. She was, was. just TikToking for herself. She was TikToking for herself, indeed. But chemistry sets, they were for real. That's so crazy. You could blow shit up. Probably real cocaine in there. Like <laughs> oh, if only I'd known. Do you have any nerd alerts, Teeny? I don't today. So you already mentioned um, the Viet Cong. They won their first victory of the Vietnam War. 
travel, financial, and commercial transactions by U.S. citizens to Cuba were made illegal by the Kennedy administration. Oh, I feel like in 1963, like, everybody was still hung up on, like, Cuba. And, like, that's where they, because of the missile crisis and, like... Yeah, Cuba. Like, yeah, Cuba. Um... 1963, indigenous Australians are legally allowed to drink alcohol in New South Wales. How white of them? Is, that's right white of them. Is that right white of them. Isn't that nuts? And this movie came out, um, when was it? April 4th, 1963. So, uh, 12 days later, on April 4th, 16, 1963. That's when Martin Luther King issued his letter from our Birmingham jail. So look, Teeny. Oh, I did do something right. You did it. So tied it all together, and so you tied it all together for us. Ah, uh, you know, you know, I got you. Um, yeah. So today we're recording this on the actual January 15th. It's the observance of Martin Luther King Day, but it actually really is his birthday. Exactly. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. That song was really Happy written. Birthday. I just had a picture from um my friend Rory. Ellis was very excited. He wanted to make cupcakes for Aww. Martin Luther King's birthday. So they made... Let me get chocolate. <laughs> no, there's sprinkles involved. Butterscotch. <laughs> it was just white. Yeah, you're white. Yeah, I'll have to give him that feedback. <laughs> you know, he's still, still white. But he would, he, he gets to wear it. Who knows? Maybe Martin Luther King really loved vanilla cupcakes. Exactly. He very well may have. Yeah. There's I'm, nothing I, I, wrong with a vanilla buttercream. You have <laughs> to judge the cupcake by the contents of, of its, its character. character. Mm-hmm. Um. So oh, listen, I, he wanted to make cupcakes for I Dr. Know. King. I know. Precious, precious. That is, it's, it's so adorable. It he, Martin Luther King was born in 1929, so 29. my grandma's older. <laughs> Six years older than Dr. Oh, Martin King. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that, but that's like living history. She's there, and you could you would think like, hey. If Martin had just <laughs> been a little more nimble on his feet, I joke and jest. No, that's not the case. I'm sorry. There's a follow-up to this. <laughs> he also made 26 sandwich bags filled with chips and juice because he wanted to fill the free fridge. Oh, my gosh. This, he is a okay. little... He, Literally a little crying safe. now. Thank you, Rory. I know. Oh, what a little saint. This is, see, the... Just, the kids are going to be all right. Not for this generation, but the one coming up. Not for the ones at Sephora, but. Yeah. Good God. Let's let's hope something good is coming. Well, he's there. Okay. Yeah. So the letter to from Birmingham jail, it's important because the letter says the people have a moral responsibility to break unjust laws and to take direct action rather than just waiting potentially forever for justice to come through the courts. Mm. Did, did we not, like, figure that out with abortion and just, like, it, but not just abortion, so many things. Because you can pack the courts, and, the, like, the courts aren't going to save us. So let's no. remember what he said. It's known for the famous quote, 
injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Everywhere. Exactly. So in 1963, how popular was Martin Luther King Jr. With, when he's releasing the, this letter and telling people the truth? According to the Pew Research Center article by Gene Hatfield, how public attitudes toward MLK Jr. have changed since the 1960s. In 1963, four in ten Americans had a favorable opinion of Martin Luther King. Just 16% viewed him as highly favorable. At that time, the population of black people in America was 11%. So I'm not going to say that every single black person was had a favorable opinion of Martin Luther oh, King. No. But um, it, I'm <laughs> you, like basically ju just the 16% the that highly saw him highly favorable, if we we're just being generalist then that gives like just 5% of the rest of the population. Yeah. And I don't even know in, in 1963, they said Americans. I don't know like who these Americans were, if this is, you know, in that foreign, in that four in 10 Americans, did they pick like two black people and yeah. that's the two? Yeah. Because you'll hear a lot of people post today and, and say a lot of things and stuff, but... Like, people hated Martin Luther King Jr. when he was alive. They were so afraid of change, and yet his hated change him. was, was a, a fair and just and nonviolent change. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to... <laughs> But but you but you say that but like like and then people paint him with that thing. But he says in the letter like you have a moral responsibility to break unjust laws and to take direct action rather than patiently and forever waiting for justice to come through the courts. Yeah, because how long you gotta wait? Yeah, so it's like I'm gonna put the best possible face on this, and still four out of ten people were like. We're like, yeah, we get it. The six out of ten people were like, no. So you can imagine then what they thought about Malcolm X, who was like, well, I guess we can try that, but you know how these people get down. Yeah. So it's just crazy to think, like, people just in the theater in April watching this movie, and you're just like, man, your world is going to change. But yeah. And you look at it and you see, wow, it did change. And it changed a lot in a short amount of time, but it didn't change nearly enough in a really long amount of time. And some people played the long game and, and some people relied on courts. And I think that we see how that goes because... Yeah, depends on who was who appointed them to that. Court. Yeah, once people were like, wait, that's how they got it? Okay, we're going to make sure that that never happens again. And now mm. it's good. Good thing we got little Ellis there making his little cupcakes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ellis for president. Just Although right I wouldn't now. wish it on him. <laughs> yeah. Can he run? <laughs> so the top films of 1963, number five was Irma the Douche. Irma LaDouche. Irma LaDouche. Number four, <laughs> number four was Tom Jones. <laughs> and not that Tom Jones. No. Number three was It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. I've heard of it. You guys did that without me, right? Yeah. Poppy's yeah. favorite of all time. It's really funny. Of all time. 
Number two was how the West was won. Oh yes, that, it was. That has to be a fun. I'm I'm curious to see how they said the West was won, <laughs> and what oh. winning meant for them. Winning meant getting the land from us. They all. And the number one film of 1963. Do you want to take a guess? It's it stars. It's it's highly problematic. Has a massive reputation and stars one Elizabeth Taylor. Cleopatra. Yes. <laughs> I've never seen it. No, I've never seen it I either. Think it's about eight eight hours long. It's really long. But I mean, it, that's kind of funny considering Janet Lee is playing. Um, well, we don't know what Rosie DeLeon's uh, history is, what her background is. And then um, did they <laughs> then the, just slap a black wig on Elizabeth oh, Taylor? Right, right, right. She's she's the queen of Egypt. But, but there was so much more to it than just... The... Oh, there was so much drama, like real-life drama behind right. it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Um, Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor, whole situation was huge. We have the Oscars Best Picture nominees were Lilies of the Field. I believe that is our man, Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier. We did mm-hmm. that. Did we not? Maybe not. No, we haven't done Lilies of no, the Field. No, we did uh, Blue. There was Blue in it. Yeah. Called Patch of Blue. I think. Patch of Blue. Um, also, How the West Was Won. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Didn't see it. America, America. Never, never heard of it. And the winner, Tom Jones. British. Is that is that like a Dickens thing? Yeah. Oh. It's like a yeah, back in the yeah. Because I'm just seeing what's new, Pussycat, right now. It is head. not. And, and like, this Tom uh, Jones that won, there were no women's underwear being thrown on the stage. Yeah. And when I was a little kid, I thought Tom Jones was black, but he's not. He's like well, Welsh he or something. Quite curly hair. Uh, is anybody? Wait, now come on. Is there any non-black anywhere? I'm sure somewhere, but he did have some really curly hair for a Welshie. <laughs> I saw. I heard a stat actually. Guess where? TikTok. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm on book talk. There you go. <laughs> I'm reading out. a good one right now, at, at, uh, at, by the way. Is it a white author? I bet it is. Probably. It's the Mother Daughter Murder Club. Oh, I've heard a good thing. Um, no, it was this girl, and she was just responding. This, you, can do, you can. There's a thing called duets on TikTok. Mm. So, like, if I make a video, you can duet it. And, like, it's basically just, like, you'll see a little snippet of my video, and then your video will start. And usually it's people, like... Like, replying. Yes, that's the word. And so it was this... The original video was this... I don't want to say something hateful. She was, like, a country, white girl. I don't know. She was, like... I don't understand. All y'all are trying to tell me that I need to do this, do that, but I just read for pleasure. So I don't have to read anything by anybody that y'all are saying, whatever. And the other girl was responding and be like, nobody's forcing you to read diverse authors. We're just here on book talk to be like, 
if you're not reading, if you're only reading white authors, like you're not reading the best of them, you know, you're only reading one part of. Right, right. You're there, you have tunnel vision. Yeah, because and this girl was like, well, 70% of the United States is, or when the majority of the United States is white or whatever. So about her response, she said, I think the stat was only 16% of the world is white, pure white. Your way, like, un- <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm on mis- what? On what? <laughs> Are you, you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Only like 16% of the world, like when you're in America, yes, there's, but like when you look at the globe as a whole, mm-hmm. white people are not like it's that you're on no. your like that's the only books out here. Get out of here, you ignorant, whatever. Right. But I don't know how accurate I didn't look, but from my TikTok source. I remember, though, when I was in, like, seventh grade, our, our, like, social studies teacher and stuff was like, you know, that if aliens came here and they wanted to find, like, the what the average-looking human being looked, it would be someone who looks Asian. Because they were, like, based on the yeah. numbers and the population and stuff. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it's not, you think that, and basically her point was, you think that you're in the majority, like America, and you make mm-hmm. all of these exactly, things yeah. and these proclamations and stuff. But there's, like, a whole other world out there that is way more vast and and also, like, the history of the world when you look at the different, that's why there's, like, a lot of people, I assume, who, got their ancestry and their 23andme dna and was like what one per- you know like you well, have- that's got to be wrong but it I but mean, it also makes sense because if you go in got their dog's dna oh that's gotta be wrong that's gotta be wrong yeah but it, it's not when you think about the fertile crescent and how the tigris and euphrates that's in iraq and that's the birthplace of humanity because that's where those between those two rivers it was so fertile that that's where people could could live and start thriving so exactly you know that's why you know you said like ah but mother africa there's there's some credence to that you know like and then the people who have like the indigenous people who are like we were here at the same time too. We were here all the time. All the time. So now we are to negative reheatables. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, watching a, a teeny bopper, uh, 1963 before November situation. Uh, okay. So I started off right away with handling a pigeon and not going to wash your hands. That's what I have exactly. Oh, I knew. You were speaking to me, honey. Well, so then I was thinking about, sorry, Ma, because then I was like, oh, pigeons. I've heard them be described as rats of the sky, like rats that can fly. And then I kind of felt bad, and I looked up a couple of pigeon facts. They're smart. Or they're like, they're all domesticated, aren't they? Like, we domesticated pigeons. I think yeah, so. like they, they've been used as war heroes. They were used in the French Revolution. Male and female pigeons make milk. What? And like, you can yeah. make They make milk, but they don't have, like, nipples. They, like, make it, and then they, like, can, both of them can feed, like, through their mouths. Really? So they regurgitate it. Yeah. But, but a male, male can do it. Yep. Oh, they wow. both make milk, and 
this article, it was from ABC News, but it's Australian ABC News. Oi, okay. They said that the milk is weirdly human-like. Oh. Who tasted it if I know? So, does it have lactose? Lact- lact- oh, lactose. Because if, yeah. if it doesn't, I mean, we you could be sitting on a gold mine. Kitchen milk. Well, that's next. It doesn't have to come hey! next. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to nurse those flakes of oat to get the milk out of them. Exactly. There's also, because like you were saying, Teeny, um, they've been bred and crossbred like dogs. So there are like fancy pigeons. Yeah. So you'll see like pigeons that have curls, like their feathers go in like a curl, all sorts of different fancy. And they can be like trained in all of this. So... While I think it is completely disgusting to feed a pigeon out of your bare hands and not immediately go and wash it, I also didn't want to contribute to the whole, like, pigeons are um, wrapped with wings. Because pigeons are also in the same family as doves and something else. I forgot. My question. Mm-hmm. They're in the family, but they are not the same as a dove. I didn't go in into that because far into of- pigeonry. Did I put a pigeon on our Christmas card this year, or was it a dove? My, my I don't know, and maybe they can cast. Dove. Maybe cast has something to do with pigeons and doves, you know? Okay. My, um, our friends that live about a mile from us, uh, recently, within the past year, they got a new landlord, and this landlord has a pigeon coop now on their uh, rooftop. Mm-hmm. That's still like a thing. Mm-hmm. And recently they found out, like they were like, why is the water pressure not as good in their shower? And their landlord is siphoning water from the pipe for his fucking pigeon coops upstairs. On the- oh. I know. Uh, siphon his own water, not... I mean, it's his building, so I guess he's... A- you know, I think he just thought nobody would notice. Mm. In many languages, the mm. birds are one and the same pigeon dove. Mm. So, sorry, Ma, go ahead, because we just had the same one right off the bat. You knew I was scandalized. Okay, now nobody is going to find this a, a surprise. I know exactly. This made why well, my tummy hurt this entire movie. Mama's boy. A mama's boy. Is that your name? You're welcome, Christine Mapes. Not that. Not that. Not that. But (laughs) I wouldn't. I would call him a mama's boy in a good way. So would I. (laughs) Not in a creepy way, because that gets in my. Go on. Because there is a creepy way, and this was a creepy way. Yeah. Um, the the You Gotta Be Sincere song? No. Just no. There was no... Uh, okay. He reminded me of... Does anybody watch Cobra Kai? It's like mm-hmm. the present... Te- but you... So... 
No, you've asked he me reminds two a million me, times, but okay. Well, it's just that he reminds me of Ralph Macchio in that when I was a kid, like Karate Kid was big, and I don't have anything against Ralph Macchio, but I never like was like, ooh, gotta have me a piece of that Ralph Macchio. Like I never thought Ralph Macchio was a Tiger Beat like pinup kind of guy. No. And so when I was watching this, I just pictured Ralph Macchio in the Cobra Kai era now, like as a 50 year old man. That he looked like he was playing Conrad Birdie. And so I weirdly, it was weirdly kind of like laughable to me. Yeah. Just like, why is Ralph Macchio doing this? He was laughable as uh, in that. And just in some ways, though, like the standards of, um, because he, how do I say, he's wearing an old, uh, not an old, but he's wearing an all gold, kind of like lame yeah. kind of yeah. jumpsuit. And it is, it is definitely before, uh, it is just when I guess men were allowed to um, just, the, the standards of male beauty had not, had not, um, were very different. And you and could- spandex just, had not come in yet. Yes, like you mm-hmm. nowadays, you would need to. It would need to be like you. You would need to at least see a pack, not one pack, but like maybe two. Yeah. You no, know, you need to see some abs, some definition. It oh would be like yeah, my god. Tight. It would be like biceps. It would, you know, it'd be like, oh my gosh, that guy. He cut out all the sweets and all the white flour and all the alcohol to get into that shape. Mm-hmm. But this guy, no, he was like. Yeah. Line up the beer and the hot dogs and exactly. give me a cigarette. And I'm a... I'm and a he was simple. gifted with not getting fat from it, but it, there was there was, there was was no toned. There was no tonedness. Mm-hmm. And he looked to be too old to be playing this part. He looks so um, old, and he also looks so uninterested. <laughs> yes. This like, is a really weird performance. Okay. Also, I have, he called um, little people a derogatory term. And then I wrote, Rosie, get out now. Figure it out. I didn't have that many red flags. There were some, not that many. And um, uh, using speed on the ballet dancers. There you go. (laughs) Well, not using speed on a turtle. <laughs> well, uh, using an unknown on a turtle. I thought it was supposed to produce more eggs from her, but no, it just made her like, uh, yeah, amphetamine out. Amphetamine yeah. out. I didn't remember the amphetamine part of this. Well, that's show. because that whole thing is that whole storyline is made up for the movies that he was uh, in chemistry and did all of that. That's like made up. That's not in the stage version. Oh, yeah. In the stage version, how does he then? Oh, because Conrad sings that great song, one last kiss and everything is good. In In the stage version, he's not, He's not his manager or anything. In the stage version, he is a teacher and he just wants to be like an English teacher. But he gets, he was a friend, he was kind of friends with Conrad. And so he helped Conrad out in his career. 
and his teaching got si- got derailed by Conrad's success. So they were kind of the same age. Yeah. Okay. Others? Um, my number one was grown men calling mom's mother. But your, also... Your I husband saw, does not do that. I saw another TikTok. Um, this is a TikTok block. Yeah, my algorithm was really algorithming this week, and I also wasn't. I was. I spent part of the week sick, so I had a lot of time sitting. And oh. so this girl was like, "There's a difference, red flag, when somebody's like, hey, my mom's gonna drive us up to the ski resort this weekend. My mom's gonna bring dinner over. My mom's gonna do this." versus mother will be by this afternoon to do this. Mother will be doing this. this. She was like, excuse me, that's not my mother. That's your mother. It's not our mother. We're not siblings. That is your mother. And that was, I was like, that was the difference in the movie. That was Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well done. Well done, TikTok. Yeah, I mean. Good. Good on that. I, I click yes to all my cookies. So, um, assuming a woman has to be married to have kids. Yes. Or to be happy. Yeah. Um, I have, this is a positive and a negative getting pinned. It seems kind of fun, but you know. Yeah. But if you fall in love with someone who was not in a fraternity, that was very a fifties, early sixties thing. Yeah, I had I had to look it up. So for people who are like me, was like, well, what does getting pinned mean? I know this is 1963, but we is this a haze code workaround? It meant that a male a promise ring pin. Yeah, it was like a male student's fraternity pin, and it was kind of like basically the same thing. Like, oh, we're going steady, or we plan to become engaged. Mm-hmm. I have it as a negative, just because it's like. I feel like it's a little bit of like ownership. Ownership, exactly. But then exactly. It's like, what is an engagement ring then? Right. You know, put a ring on it. The but that's, that's the engagement ring. Like a pin is a. I promise to give you an engagement ring. Like it's a At promise to a promise. Yes. Yeah, that's basically tying you. Like I am tying you down. But like the man I tie you down. On him to be like, oh, I'm tied down. But the woman, the girl's supposed to wear that pin. So that all the other guys know that she's taken. Exactly. He's yeah. out there cheating on her all the time. Mm-hmm. That was big when my si- sister graduated high school in 65. And she went to college and that was all the big thing in college, being pinned to somebody. Yeah. And then when I went to college in the 70s, I... I didn't hear anything about being pinned. <laughs> well, that's because you were in the mountains getting the moonshine. <laughs> Well, there, yeah, it there is a difference in the colleges we went to. That is the truth. Um, having phone lines, oh, landlines, landlines. What a pain! My parents finally got rid of theirs. I think this week. Really? Wow. We still have ours. Uh, I think it's there as a as a um, an emergency thing. Manzel wants to be sure that his mom can get. Mama can get in touch with us at any time. But yeah, he's still mother. 
Well, yeah, you are. It's like the rich kids had their own phone line, not back then, but like, you know, then the rich kids got their own phone line. And I would never have had my own. I never got a princess phone. It was always the family phone mm-hmm. where you had to get off so that the important yeah. call that was coming in could go through. Also, on that note, they would have definitely picked another contestant. There were so many people in that damn fan club. If they called that phone line and it was busy once in real yes, life, they would have been like, all right, next number. That was throw that card away, get another one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the final is just that the play is much better than the movie. This was made for the stage, not for the big screen. Yes, I agree. Oh, I've had a lot of nonsense. I mean, and granted, I've only seen high schoolers do it, but it's like fun. Like, the phone song, like that scene is like so it's my fave yeah. on, a, on a stage. Yeah. They're like the um, the Hollywood squares. Yeah. That's how it was always staged mm-hmm. that I saw it. And I read that that, it, that almost, it almost didn't make it because they couldn't figure out how to stage that on the stage. And then the I guy came up with that. Wait, just watch the stage play and see how they did it. Yeah. They did a great job. No, I'm saying the stage play. It almost didn't make it into oh. the stage play because they couldn't figure out ah. on the stage how to do the telephone line. Yeah. And then they came up with the different squares and the lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have... It's it's just like kind of keeping in line with what Tini was saying, but the whole thing, like, Rosie came up with this genius idea. So she is a genius... Um, PR person, publicist person, like comes up with this great idea for Ed Sullivan. So she is like working high level at that point, the top high level that she can work at. And the whole reason that she comes up with this idea is so that she can get married, not because she's going to like, look, I'm great at this career and I have this career and this is what I'm doing. No, she comes with this whole ornate plan because she's like, this is how I'll finally get married. Ed Sullivan was out of New York? I always thought he was out of California. No, everything was out of New York. That's oh, why okay. um, where Colbert shoots and where David Letterman shoots, mm-hmm. that's the Ed Sullivan Theater because that's where Ed oh, Sullivan okay. was. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it goes back to we're offline. Like, you always say your times in Eastern stand, Eastern Time Zone, E.T., um, but when you live out in the West Coast, do you get used to it? Because everything is based on Eastern time. Like the football games, they're like they're gonna be on four thirty East, and you're just always looking for like, I assume it's Eastern, but is it, yeah, there's the ET. Let me add three hours to that. And you're like, no, you would take away three hours. <laughs> That's why I never know what's going on. <laughs> We're just used to it. It's like, oh. That starts at eight o'clock on the East Coast. It's gonna be five here. Okay, no problem. Um, and then also the same point with Kim, like the getting pinned thing. Yeah, but she specifically says in this film how she was nothing until she got pinned. Yeah. yeah. Complete. Are you kidding That's me? She was absolutely nothing. And then what we were talking about earlier. In the movie, she says how she, like, oh, I feel like a woman at 16. And granted, it's Anne Margaret, and she's older than 16. But even, like, that, we just had different 16s. I was not yeah. feeling, like, oh, 
the world i am ready to go out in the world i no. was like no i need more time in the oven the world is scary remember when you gave me a, a, a car key like the key to the car my own key to the car and i was like thanks i'm not going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> that's why i gave it to you i had no worries i don't need i don't need all this freedom i have like X amount of years of freedom ahead of me. I like this situation. And you know what? Looking back on it, I was right. Yeah, you were. And then this might be the worst reheatable of all the reheatables. At some point in this, I think it had something to do with the Russian ballet and stuff. They were making like, you know, communist jokes and Lenin jokes. And at some point, somebody says, Long live Jack Kennedy. Yeah. It's just a couple months. April, May, June, July, August, September, oh. October, November. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, no idea. Oh, that's why it happened. It's all by Bad Birdie's fault. Yeah, maybe Lee Harvey Oswald was like, say what? <laughs> okay, so positives. Mm -hmm. The women saving the day. That the woman saving the day. Um, the rotary telephone routine, the whole routine, the telephone one, that's my mm -hmm. favorite thing out of the whole movie. Paul Lind, oh my God, he's so funny. Um, and Ed Sullivan. I mean, that show was your life. That was my life on Sunday night. Well, wait, mm -hmm. Ed Sullivan and then Bonanza. Oh, damn, that was the block? Mm -hmm. Wonderful World of Disney, Ed Sullivan, Bonanza. Damn straight. Wow. That's all I needed. Mm -hmm. Bonanza. Until Monday morning. Oh, no. My grandma watches Gunsmoke. Today she was actually watching Bonanza. Bonanza. Mm -hmm. Wow. My positives. The Guggenheim. Yes. Mm, Guggenheim. I was laughing and what's his name's office where his diploma was just from state university. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a state university. Just any state university. <laughs> I also had getting pinned in a, a positive. I kind of like it. I like that a lot of the phones were Carolina blue. Oh, yes. Um, Penelope's bubble bath. She had a really great situation. She had the the colorful tile. Oh, yes. All the way up. Wasn't she like standing up in the bubbles? Yes. Yes. Like, yes. And yeah, everything was covered. And I did like the bit where the mom stuck her head in the oven, and <laughs> the one guy goes, "It's not gas. It's electric." Yeah, that was Paul Lynn. Erin, in the high school production, I don't know if you remember uh, Babs's good friend, Mary. She's the one that, that mm -hmm. taught you shit, shit fire Jim Bob. Mm -hmm. And you would tell her that was the part she played in the high school performance, the mother. The mo oh, she was, a, she was better than probably than Jean oh, Stapleton yeah. in this. So good in that. So do you remember like all of the anti-Hispanic um, like stuff going on? Absolutely none. <laughs> <laughs> none. I, I I don't 
know that I knew a, a Hispanic person at that time. That, yeah, that would make sense in Ohio. But I just think that's the part of it that's so wild to me is this whole like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> but I feel like there was a tirade about that. I mean, I don't remember it, but it's like that very possibly could have been part of it. You know? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, quotables. Okay. Oh, wait a second. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I didn't do anybody else's positives. Oh my god. Not mine. It's not hers. Yeah, you just forgot me. Yeah, it's okay. Um, the so when we do like the you know musicals, I'm always on the lookout for. Well, have I? Is there a song from here that I've heard before? Uh huh. And, and didn't know that. Like, put oh, that's where I came from. Exactly. The song put on a happy face. It started playing. I was like. That's where it's from, huh? Because, I mean, you'll see it now and stuff with um, Gen Z and younger and stuff. I'm sure that they'll know these songs from me growing up. And there, there was something about that, like a BuzzFeed. And they're like, they know that song. They're like, oh, that's the song from Paul Blart Model Cop, whatever mm -hmm. that film is. You know, just the, how people know. Or like, oh, they know Aretha Franklin from this um commercial or like Tina Turner that she she sings the we're the best that's the T-Mobile commercial like that kind of stuff so I was just like put on a happy face what and you notice like the animation and stuff in it it ties back to how George Sidney was a founder in Hanna-Barbera so he he got you know he had knew his animation and stuff and, and reminded me of um chim when Dick Van Dyke was the chimney sweep in Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. And I I like that that whole thing because how she, it's the two of her with Janet Lee and I also yes. I was really I mean I know like Cheetah Rivera was like she didn't bring any energy and stuff but I was surprised by how good of a dancer Janet Lee is. Yeah. I was just like, "Oh, wow." Um and also so in the original musical because that song put on a happy face. That's what made Dick Van Dyke. That it blew yeah, him yeah. up. Um, but that was also almost cut from the musical because exactly. when they were doing it originally before it went on Broadway, it like bleh, that it one bombed. It bombed, yeah. and they had to figure out the right place to put it in the stage production mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, my next good reheatable is how people have and continue to always will happen people will always complain about popular music he had the quote alfred had the quote in six years i never sold one lousy song maybe they weren't lousy enough yeah and people yeah. today are like pop music oh, oh what's wrong with popular music today oh it stinks and whenever you say like oh it was better in x year in x year people are going ah oh, popular music it stinks it always happened it always oh, yeah. happened yep yep it's it's just part of being human and the clock just keeping on ticking i liked um i liked that kim she knew that she was just a symbol because mm -hmm. the, so the whole, in the movie version, the whole, like the big part of the plot is how Kim has been pinned with Hugo and she's been picked to kiss Conrad Birdie 
And Hugo is like, wait a second, you're gonna you, like you can't go kiss another boy because you're my girl. I've pinned you. You can't. That's cheating. You belong to me. Yeah, exactly. That's cheating. And she's like, it's not cheating. I'm just I'm. She had enough wherewithal to be like, I'm just a symbol for all of these yeah, other girls. Like he's gonna fall in love with me. And we're exactly. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool of her, even though she annoyed me so much with her. I I was nothing, and now I'm pinned and all that. I thought it was cool. She was like, no, I'm actually a symbol for this. And I, I do like how she was able to um, get her way. And, yeah, she was able to get her way, ultimately. And then, you know, violence in the movie ensued. So with the, you know, Hugo couldn't... He had to go and punch out the... Yeah, he had to show he was manly. Mm-hmm. That's my woman. Violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those were my positive reheatables. So on to quotables. And after three, I didn't write any more down. I'm sure there were more. I started with, get us a girl from Ohio. Oh, I knew you'd have that one. Well, and can there be a more flyover state than Ohio? No, I think there can be because I revere Ohio because you're from Ohio. So I will throw Indiana under the bus. I will throw Iowa under the bus. Capital of Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, there are all these things that I will happily throw under the bus. And when you, it's always funny to me though, Ma, how Ohio. Um, I don't know if you agree, but it seems like especially in the '60s and stuff that Ohio was like peak whiteness <laughs> like oh mid- yeah and when you look at a map it's like it's not the middle of the country it's it's not kansas is the exact middle of the country yeah and when they call ohio midwest i'm yeah. like there's nothing west about ohio uh okay i digress um randolph your father warned you if you make another bomb you'll be spanked I'm telling you, those chemistry sets. And then, who sent you, Goldwater? (laughs) You had to be from back then. A-U-H-2-O, Goldwater. Who was was Goldwater? Like, what party was Goldwater? Republican. Oh, okay. So Mm -hmm. it was like, that was always like, oh, he's buried. Because I I didn't know, I just knew, like, when you say Goldwater, I instinctively, I don't like that guy. But I didn't know. (laughs) But I'm like, wow, that's why. Just that subliminalness that comes through. But I'm like, wait, why Why do I feel that way? Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Others? I have. His income drops from $2 million a year to $78 a month. He could only yes. have America. Yes. Um, the girl from Ohio. The next time I have a daughter, I hope it's a boy. Yeah. And then... When Kim dyed her hair and her dad was freaking out, and she, he said, she was like, it's my hair. And her dad said, not till you're 21. And I was like, oh, that reminded me so much of my dad. <laughs> not while you're under my roof. And then when he was saying, I don't want your respect. Who wants respect from a 10-year-old? <laughs> Those are mine. I have, I must be the prize dope of all time, thinking I could pry you away from your mama's ever-loving tentacles. <laughs> oh, I have, 
when the mom says, wear your rubbers, she says it to Alfred. That just made me laugh because I think she was talking about the shoes because Alfred was She was, was several times, but it was double entendre. Okay. Um, and then the mom says, you know, these adolescents, Kim will lose face. And Paula says, and if I don't get out of, if I don't get him out of here, that's not all she'll. Exactly. Which will, which, yeah. So in the, I read though that in the movie and in the stage that Conrad Birdie gets arrested for statutory rape. Is that correct? I, I mean, I, that's not on the stage that I knew, but I, that's, I saw something like that in the, I saw that same article, Aaron. Okay. I feel like maybe that must have been in the, like, they maybe in the very first stage play and then they probably were like, what? I don't know. Yeah, because again, I'm like, what is going on with this musical? Now I'm probably going to end up going to North Hollywood High's production of Bye Bye Birdie. Well, <laughs> you're not going to see anything like it because now they are, they're, they're casting uh, black students as the main, as the, as Birdie and. Well, I, I could get an authentic Latina to play Rosie. Mm -hmm. I, like, this is going to be great. So, I also have, wait, is that? Uh, okay, oh. so I have on Britbart, because, you know, um, dot com, Broadway 2PC for Bye Bye Birdie rape scene. Okay, go ahead. Well, those are my quotables. So, I guess we are moving on to LVP. So, uh, you want to continue looking up, Ma, or...? I'm back. My LVP is a manipulative, overbearing mother, mother-in-law. Hmm. Well. <laughs> Say what, Tini? <laughs> Awkward. She seconds that. Yeah. Um, mother. <laughs> going through it. Um, I have, I just wrote the misogyny. This is from an article on citizendamepod.com. No, I don't know. I just, a random article I clicked, but um, let me find where I want to start reading this at. She said, when thinking of Bye Bye Birdie as a triangle between, I mean, it, it acknowledges, it's like, the, it's titled Feminist Friday Bye Bye Birdie. And it talks a lot about Anne Margaret, like, um, they didn't overly sexualize her, which I liked, and she seems to have a lot of awareness, like you spoke about when she was, she was like, you know, I'm not going to get married to him, whatever. Like she knew what she was there for. Um, but it says when thinking of Bye Bye Birdie as a triangle between Birdie, Kim and Hugo, the movie makes some interesting choices in Birdie's development. He's creepy. He's really creepy. This is incredibly telling when he's first introduced to Kim before Sincere. When the two shake hands, the camera is deliberate in showing that the rocker checks out the teenager with lingering, almost lurid eyes. It's almost an uncomfortable moment. Later, as everyone converges on the much-anticipated Ed Sullivan show, Kim and Conrad are once again pushed into the same uncomfortable close territory. In this final number, the tone shifts drastically. In the previous numbers, Kim finds herself lost in the moment. She's just another teenager getting at the prospect of listening to her idol. 
However, when she's alone and squarely in his focus, the situation morphs. It's uncomfortable and Ken feels it. She doesn't want his attention and this is the first time we see her try to get away from him. At one point, she almost backs off stage. The moment is shown through a completely objective lens with only Hugo seemingly picking up on her body language cues. He springs to action, laying out Birdie with a single punch, saving Ken. Oh. Um, but it says, in the grand scheme of things, the scene feels a bit strange with the major character shifts. However, if there's one, if it's there for one reason. This is the early 1960s and the happy ending is paramount. Ken needs to make the right choice, Hugo. But Exactly. I was just like, he was such a, that just the whole idea of like getting a grown ass man to like kiss yeah. her on national television. It just, yeah. yeah. Did anybody see the film Priscilla? Because like that's, I didn't. I want to see it because it's a Sofia Coppola film and I'm always curious with her films, but it's kind of like from her perspective, Priscilla's, and she was like 14 when she met Elvis over so in Germany. Young. When he yeah. was like, so the movie is based on when he was in, got drafted into army in 1957. He got sent over to Germany, and that's where he met the daughter of somebody that was stationed over there, Priscilla, and she right. was 14. Yeah. And then you're just like, wow, okay, weird. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot more weirdness, evidently, with their relationship. Oh, is it my LVP? <clears throat> it is. My honorable mention is Janet Lee's wig. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot. This was real dark. Like black. Yeah, like I don't understand why she just why I think they took out all of the the numbers and stuff that she had, so I don't understand why she to wasn't just Latina. Rosie Smith. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just Rosie Smith, and like I don't know, maybe dye her hair brown if you wanted her to be a brunette, but like the yeah. jet the jet black, and she's oh she's Delion. It's like what what I don't I don't get that. Did you uh, see the size of her waist? I thought that was unhealthy it was an extremely small waist well she had an extremely small waist you know i mean she was in psycho in 1960 mm -hmm. like before this so um but yeah maybe i don't know hollywood in those times are wild who knows what they did and gave her and what she wanted Some to do and stuff what she they didn't gave want the to turtle, do i think <laughs> probably um but my real lvp of course same as same as you ma it's dick's mom the part though that i thought was hilarious was at the end when because she you know in the end of the movie um she meets i think it's actually maude who runs his madcap cafe or whatever it's called um but he was a widower three times and the her son Alfred is just like, yeah, sure, bye, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Whereas I'm just like, oh, like talk about red flags. Three yeah. times a widower. Um, I'm going in all the Dateline 2020 and 48 hours backlogs, and I am googling your ass, sir. I need to find out three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three times, and you own this establishment, sir. Hmm. But yeah, he was just like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> Have fun. See ya.
I've done enough. <laughs> okay, so we're to MVPs. Mm -hmm. I didn't have one until we started. But mine is Anne Margaret because in the stage play, the main characters are uh, Dick Van Dyke and Cheetah Rivera. Mm -hmm. And Margaret is like a, a second uh, um, supporting actress. But the director saw what she had and went, oh, wait, we're going to go in a new direction and we're going to let her run this film. And Dick Van Dyke wasn't happy about it, but nobody was happy about it. Janet Lee was like another close up. Exactly. But the director said, I see a spark here and we're going with that. So that's mine. Controversial. My MVP is half of the soundtrack. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. I find this soundtrack, I either love it or I hate it. Exactly. And I like to sing these songs. Mm -hmm. Bye Bye Birdie. Yes. I like to sing We Love You, Conrad. Yes. The telephone song is brilliant. I How love the telephone song. The Woman is an amazing song. Right. Honestly, Sincere, get out of here. Battle Home of the Republic, screw it. Hymn of a Sunday Evening, Wasted. Exactly. One Boy. Amazing song. Yeah. One special yeah. boy. One boy, two. Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. One boy. Yeah. Yeah. Or Agreed. one girl. Whoever you want it to be. Put on a happy face. Yeah. yeah. MVP, the song Kids. Did you listen to the lyrics of that? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's very it's funny. Kids these days. They're dis yeah. disrespectful. Oops, noisy, crazy, dirty lady loafers. Um, I mean, kind of rude to save your own kids, but one last kiss. Eh. Agreed. It oh, needed to be I way mean, better than it was. Shriners Ballet. Eh. So that went on that, way too long. In fact, I did fast forward. There are some really great. There's some really great tunes in this. So that is there my are. My MVP is. My MVP is Ona White. She's the choreographer. And I especially thought that the Fez scene was, I was just like, oh, oh my gosh, I rewatched it. Now, I was a little bit bored, but I rewatched it because of the ending. When she she gets, Janet Lee is going to, it, I mean, this scene is ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. But just the choreography of like the, I went back to just watch the whole scene and she's like holding on to this pipe and then they get her and then they like, and Dick Van Dyke's on the staircase and they're like swinging her up and swinging her up and then they swing her up and they stand her up and then they switch her so that then she's like back, like, cause the whole time she was kind of doing a backbend and then they switch her so that when they swing her back up, they throw her into Dick Van Dyke's arms. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. And then the the choreography for the I guess it's the uh, it's when they're with Maud at Maud's place and it's between her and Hugo and they're doing like the this kind of like I'm kind of doing like a chicken court like they and they just like keep moving and stuff. I was like 
that that should have been in my reheatable because like those moves I see I see to this day yeah, that kind cool. of stuff. So that's why she is my MDP because I I thought the choreography in the film was great. She also did the Music Man Oliver in 1776, all things that I've heard of and never seen. Yeah, there you go. Well done. I did not do a recasting because we thankfully do not have the draft at this time. But we did have a remake oh, of it. You could, and there could be a remake of it with um the Korean the Korean boy oh, bands. Yeah, my tasty titties. Ah, oh, okay. Vanessa Williams played Rose in the remake. Jason Alexander. There was a they remade this in 1995. Yeah, it was I a TV thing. Jason I didn't Alexander, know. Vanessa Williams, China Phillips. Mm-hmm. Okay. Will Mark Kudish. Who? Mark Kudish. Kudish. Oh my. Bunch of people I never heard of, but it bombed. It was just mm-hmm. on ABC, like like yeah, it was like oh, every that's... other fucking like. Every time they try to do the one made for TV one. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the live version thing. It was just, it was like, remember when they did Cinderella and they had Whitney Houston and Brandy Norwood? Mm -hmm. It was, I Mm -hmm. it was like that kind of thing. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure we were watching like Martin or or In Living Color and and Murder. So. Uh, Yeah. What you were referring to was um, current day. There is the K-pop band BTS, and they are for currently fulfilling. I think it started in December, fulfilling their duty and performing their mandatory military service in South Korea mm-hmm. for 18 months, I believe. All seven members until 2025, um, and the fans were. Oh yeah, I'll bet. Mm-hmm. I'll bet. Very upset. Um, they said, you know, they wanted everyone to get together and pray for their safety, but they didn't, you know, uh, I saw a lot of things on the internet when it was first coming out that they were going to have to serve, but yeah. Is there, I mean, there's serious about it because technically there's still a war with North Korea. There was never a treaty and stuff until like South Koreans, you have to, you have to do your time. You have to to serve your, do your military. And not even yeah. like we're BTS. Nope, They're doesn't like matter. Huge. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I am saying this in 2024. I think it's gonna be good for them. Yikes! I wouldn't have said that in the 60s. Okay, tasties. And I have that the courthouse steps. I thought I. I thought they were familiar to me. Mm-hmm. They were used in To Kill a Mockingbird and Back to the Future, and we saw them on our, um, uh, w- was it Warner Brothers? It's the Universal. That's the Universal Backlot. Oh, Universal Backlot. Mm-hmm. Bobby Rydell actually was a teen idol at this time. Um uh, In the Broadway play, Albert was the lead. And he said, and uh, Dick Van Dyke said, wow, it's turned into an Anne Margaret show. At least five of the musical numbers were cut. Holy shit, how did they get five more in there? 
Rita Marina, Rita Moreno was the original choice. Um, and Rosie's surname was Alvarez, but the movie changed it to De Leon. And that's all I have. My only other one that I didn't that I didn't say already is that yours truly performed in Bye Bye Birdie. Who were you? I was in the pit. I played the cello. I played the score, and my, my high school did this, and then I and I was in the pit. Profound. Wow. First chair cello. First chair. Maybe I only had one. I don't remember. Don't go into that. You were first chair. But yeah, it was very, that's how I, that's, I think that's, that's also why I like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. But it was really fun to be able to play and then you could see them all like, you know. Yeah, you got to see it from the beginning to the end, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. I didn't realize that they played like with the orchestra and stuff and like a whole production. I mean, I don't know if everyone does, but if every high school does. In Cincinnati, we did. Wow. That is crazy. I have that. So we said how it was. The official title was Let's Go Steady, Bye Bye Birdie. That was was the original title. And it was set in 1958. Elvis was drafted. Yeah, so that's. So it's. That was the original was set in 1958. Elvis was drafted into the army in 1957, and Conrad Birdie is a take on the name Conway Twitty because at the time in the late 50s, Conway Twitty was a 50s rock rival of Elvis. But now, mm-hmm. if you know, if you're familiar with the name Conway Twitty, you'll be like, um, no, he's a famous ass country star. But no, at this time period, he was a rival to Elvis. And then I think probably the Beatles came or I don't know. Maybe he was just like, you know what? The British invasion. I'm just pivoting. I'm just pivoting to country. And so that's why um, I think they actually, weirdly enough, had him named Conway Twitty. And then Conway Twitty was like, I'm out here, bitches. What the hell? And Mm. then they're like, oh, wait, there's a real Conway Twitty. So then they changed it to Conrad Birdie. Because I couldn't get where they got Birdie from, from Elvis. Mm-hmm. Elvis mm-hmm. Presley, like if it's a take on it. But reading about the Conway Twitty, it all fell into place. I didn't notice this, but I read it. It said that Jerry Orbach, the dad that put Baby in the corner in Dirty Dancing, and you know him from Law and Order, he was one of Ed Sullivan's producers. So he had a tiny uh, really? cameo in this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we mentioned how this blew up Anne Margaret and how before, you know, Kim's character wasn't really anything. Anne Margaret said that she was cast after director George Cindy Sydney saw her dancing on a date at the Sands Casino in Las Vegas on New Year's oh. Eve. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And then he spent extra money. So they're basically the the film is locked and not locked but they finished photography and they're in their editing and they're just like oh wow and margaret so that's when they went and they um spent a little extra money to have to create the opening and closing Mm -hmm. bumpers that Mm -hmm. is basically her also i read that 
the cat, like Dick Van Dyke showed up and he saw Anne Margaret sitting in the lap of George Sidney and was just like, oh, this is like, this is going to change. <laughs> like, it's going to be different. She's mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's why he always made the, the jokes about, um, well, I have it written, but it, so it, I'll come to it. My notes. Um, rock and roll is here to stay by. Oh, this, I didn't, I didn't pick this up, but I read this in this article. Rock and roll is here to stay by Paul Boyne that he points out how there's the famous, there's the crane shot when they're in the town square mm-hmm. after the, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, the song sucks, but I do like this crane shot because he just basically slayed everyone to death. I mean, the definition yeah. of slayed. And exactly. all the bodies are strewn about town hall and around the town, and there's the crane shot. And it was in that article that I referenced that pointed out that that's an ode to the famous crane shot in Gone with the Wind. That's when what it, I just thought of, all the bodies yeah. laid out. Yeah, and how it was... It was like an homage to that, and I was like, "Oh." Never seen Gone with the Wind, still. Although the uh, the Teenies never seen it. That was the first movie that we did. Yeah, it was. It was like fifteen hours long, um, <laughs> because the mayor's wife. That was a funny bit with her legs. He kept trying to put her legs together. She kept splaying them apart, you know, as she had fainted because Conrad Birdie had such a an effect on her. Mm-hmm. I have that. Um, Elvis was, in fact, interested in playing the role on Broadway, but the, the Colonel, Colonel Parker. Yeah, he said no. Gosh, not, not gonna do it. Not happening. And for the Oscars, this was nominated for best scoring, music adaptation or treatment, and best sound. Um, and then some of the changes from the play, like we said, lots of songs were cut. The Russian ballet and the chemistry, that whole chemistry plot, not in the play. I, that was just that wrong. Wrong. Come on. What, that it wasn't in the play or that they just no, invented that it? No, that this was the reason for every... He was, he, he was the founder maker of Speed? Yeah, it didn't make any sense Mm-mm. why... His mother, he had a, in the movie, he has a, he's hugely accredited in chemistry and he wants to be a chemist, but his mom is like, no, you need to be a songwriter. Doesn't make she and the, 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 the dude's father, uh, what had created this company, Alma Ted or something. Yeah. It just doesn't make it. It's just one of those things that it just doesn't make any sense. It didn't. Um, the whole thing of like the Ed Sullivan show in the stage version, that's the end of the first act. In the movie, it's the end of the film. Yeah. Interesting. We, men- we mentioned the stuff about Birdie and going on the lam or being arrested for statutory rape. So all of that's out there. Albert's mother is super racist. And at the end of the stage version, he get he's abandoned. She ab- he abandons her because he basically chooses his wife and yeah. Um Paul Lind is said to have called the film Hello and Margaret. Yeah. That's what they they all were like, wait, we went into this thinking this was the stage production, 
But then Anne Margaret showed up and it became the Anne Margaret show. And and Anne Margaret's whole th- like Anne Margaret was going to be the female answer or female version of Elvis Presley. Oh. And I just think I think that I think that the Beatles just came and the British invasion yeah. just the came British and like invasion, fuck that. Just I, look. I loved her little baseball hat. And how she wore it. And I was like, what does she do with that? I don't know, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah. She owned it. I mean, she showed up. Yeah, she was she was quite an entertainer and um I it's like that would be kind of an interesting behind the scenes thing because you always mm-hmm. see like the young like a very much kind of like how much of that was all about Eve because remember when we did like all about Eve is about the young upstart oh, yeah and like really really knowing how the game is played and and playing it a little too or well was, did she fall into it you I don't think I think that she was somebody. I don't know her, but it just seemed because of her talent and and how she grew up and stuff. Like she had immigrant parents, so she yeah. probably. I mean, her she herself was also an immigrant. Just that thing of like, I want to do that. I'm gonna do that. And I don't think that it was an accident that she was dancing great at the Sands on New Year's Eve. Like you know, like that seems like people. There's probably gonna be important people. You got to be in the room where it happens, and there's probably going to be important people who are there. So I'm gonna put on a a show, and I just think she was probably a pretty smart woman and had a goal and knew how to go about getting that goal. She's still with us, isn't she? I think so. Yeah. I think so. So those are my tasty titties. Okay, that has been. Bye bye, Birdie. Look, I'm glad we did it. It's been on my, it's been in the in my brain for a while. I'm definitely glad too, cause now I know, like, oh, that's bye bye, Birdie. Okay. And there's a lot more to it than I ever knew. I didn't know any, you know. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about it since being a 15 year old cello player. Really, other yeah. than the songs. Yeah, now I hadn't. I'm, been a, yeah, but I'm glad we did it. I'll probably be singing the songs on cooking dinner tonight. So, oh, I will not be. But um, I think that it's I I realize that I'm um I really if it doesn't if there aren't drums in the song it needs to be uh like on and it's of course it's it's all like up to me and it's very personable like everybody basically I'm saying everybody's different and if it doesn't have drums in the song then it needs to be like one of the all-time great melodies. And that's why I'm like, oh yeah, put on a happy face. The other songs, I'm not going to say that they stink or anything, just nothing. Um, like I was like, oh, the kids song. Oh, I've heard the kids. I like that. Like that's fun of how they're doing that. Yeah. Those are the I only like two that stuck out. As a choir person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like there's some good, there's some fun things to sing in there. Exactly. That's what I that's what I read about of why it is um done in so many schools yeah. and stuff because there's so mm-hmm. much ensemble singing that everybody exactly. gets to take part a lot. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the best friend to Kim, I always thought of the best friend to the the oldest daughter in Full House. 
I don't remember what her name was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just like I'll the same picture of me because it popped up on my Facebook this today of me. Uh, like, I don't know why it was there. It has nothing to do with any of this other than me being the Tom, like, because Stephanie the Tanner was like the tomboy. Um, but sorry, that changed the subject. But yeah, that was, um, I haven't changed much. <laughs> I've ever <laughs> yeah I was like wait which one are you and then I yeah wow that's so funny I'm like I might have had that same shirt I'm sure you did we <laughs> <the same> outfit <laughs> do the shoes yeah the basketball although shoes. she might have had socks that didn't match yeah. oh man but but that's wow. like in the 2000s and stuff. So that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. This has been bye bye birdie. So next week is not on me. <gasps> that's what I know. I've, I've done it. So this it's on Amazon prime. Mm -hmm. It's an hour and 30 minutes. I love that. 1947. Oh, okay. Wow, we're in the we're we're pretty much in the middle of World War Two. No, World War Two is over. <laughs> oh, forty seven. Yeah. Um, is it ever over though? Really? Oh. Ooh. Oh. This is what it says per TCM. A gambling hall owner goes straight when he discovers the market for Chicago jazz. It sounds great, but I have no idea. So it stars Arturo de Cordova, who is a Mexican actor, and Dorothy Patrick, who's like a white lady. But the reason we're doing it is because of who is in it and all over the posters, but it's going to be fun. Let's, let's see how much they really are in it because appearing in the film is, and the reason why we're doing it is because there is a documentary on Apple TV um, about Louis Armstrong oh. called like Louis Armstrong, black and blue. And it's, and it's a, I like the documentary. It's very interesting. Um, and Louis Armstrong and Billie Holiday make appearances in this film. Are you kidding? I kid you not. It's called New Orleans. Oh, I love that name. Mm-hmm. So let's see how a gambling hall owner goes straight when he discovers the market for Chicago jazz in New Orleans. What could go and wrong? You can watch it on Amazon <laughs> Yeah, it says it's available on Amazon Prime. Because I at first I was like, oh, I guess we're going to YouTube. But no, it's... I'll tell you, my MVP is New Orleans. I don't even need to watch it to tell you that. Exactly. One of the Triple Ds is going to New Orleans this what? weekend. Which one? Donis. She didn't invite me? Wow. All right. She didn't invite wow. me either. Wow. Well, I, I just know where I stand. Well, listeners, this has been Bye Bye Birdie, which um, 
you know, I'm watching it, I'm watching it, I'm into it, I'm bebopping, and then we have Speed that becomes the major contributor to the whole movie. That was problematic. So I'm just like, Joe's just sitting back and watching, just being like, wow, so this is Bye Bye Birdie. Huh. That's about right. <laughs> I, that, mm-hmm. And so next week it is New Orleans. New Orleans. How can you go wrong with New Orleans? Well, I'm just, well, uh, I'm waiting because, again, it doesn't star Louis Armstrong and Billie Holiday. It's but they so are somehow represented. In, and it's in like it. it's 1947, so I'm guessing we're gonna uh, have heavy cast going on oh. in in New Orleans. This is, right. it's, it's like Hollywood trying to make some money off of black people and the awesome artwork that black people are doing, but. So what? it's just gonna be. Hollywood I recommend has never done that. I don't know what you're talking. I about. think you guys should watch the documentary on Louis Armstrong, oh, yeah. perhaps because he yeah. has tapes and tapes and tapes. And it's funny, like I we'll talk about it next week. But how he's was like considered acceptable, and then like what his own personal opinions of oh, wow. the establishment okay. are. Okay. Well, well he, he was just a, like, he, we'll get into it. He was a hustler and he knew how, what the game was played. But there don't, you go. don't think that he was, um, it's just, it's just a very interesting and, and very interesting and complicated thing because there were a lot of, as the documentary says, there were a lot of people like, um, one of the, one of the Marsalises that plays trumpet, his dad kept telling him like, you need to, you need to listen to Louis Armstrong. And in that time period, Louis Armstrong was seen as, um, like, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. like not somebody who was down with the like, the, not, somebody who's letting letting it go. Yeah, he was he was somebody that, that white people liked, and he didn't mm-hmm. mind that white people liked him. And mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. like another term for the people that I don't mm-hmm. really like to use, mm-hmm. but that mm-hmm. get labeled onto it and. That wasn't necessarily the case in his personal views. It was kind of like he knew what he knew what the game was. And in the documentary, it goes into his background and stuff. And you're just kind of like, we got what they got all of these. So it's just funny to me that we got all of these movies and stuff with Louis Armstrong. But then you kind of learn just a fraction of what his real life was like. And you're just like, where's that film? Right. We'll watch two things, the documentary and the movie. Yeah. I don't want to give extra homework, but I just thought that it was extremely fascinating. Okay. Well, this is our first um, podcast of 2024. Next week, sounds like. so. Exactly. Different kind of music. Mm-hmm. And we're keeping the mother's theme going strong with the first film of the year. But Adam just said, thank God. So he's going to really enjoy my sing-along tonight while I'm cooking. I am so glad. Okay. Well, listeners, it has been Bye Bye Birdie, and we're going to say bye-bye.